I never thought it would end this way. I'm sure some of you guys have said those words before. I'm sure there's been an occasion in your life where you thought those words. I never thought it would end this way. And it may have been about a person. It could have been a person that maybe you really loved and cared about, and they walked away from your life. They're not part of it no more. And your thoughts about it are like, wow, I never thought it would end that way. It could be about your finances. It could be maybe through circumstances of your own or maybe not your own that you find yourself in a situation right now where you're selling things, um, maybe losing your house, and uh, you know, you're all stressed out about money, and you really look and you think, wow, I never thought it would end this way. It could be about a loved one getting sick. It could be someone who got sick and you heard those terrible words, it's cancer, and there's nothing we can do. And you lose them in a very short amount of time. And you thought that you had all the time in the world to spend with them, and you realize you didn't. And you think, wow, I never thought it would end this way. You know, those regrets and the pain that come with that statement, man, they're hard to bear, very hard to bear. There's a saying that we all know, and it's the, yeah, the saying is hindsight is twenty twenty, And it's true, because if we only knew now, you know, or knew then what we know now, things would be so different. We all go through those moments. We all have those things. You know, maybe in that situation you would have treated a person differently. Maybe you would have been there for them more, or uh, maybe financially you would have not purchased some things. You would have thought, well, I wouldn't have taken that, that step. I wouldn't have done that. And as far as a loved one, maybe you would have thought, well, I didn't realize time was so short, and I should have spent so much more time with them. If, they, if I thought I had the time, I would, have, I would have done this. I wouldn't have took the time for myself. I would have went with them and done this. But it's unfortunate because in life, we don't get second chances. It just doesn't happen that way. And that's why we have to make the best possible choices for our future so that we're not living with those words that could echo in our mind and our hearts over and over again. I never thought it would end this way. Today I'm going to talk to you about a topic that's actually more so about knowledge than it is about, about fear, and it's about the book of Revelation. And it's the very last chapter of the Bible, and it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Basically, when you talk about revelation, it means an unveiling. It is a revealing of what is going to take place. And uh, why I want to teach is so that you will never, ever have to say for yourself those words or have them echo in your head again, I never knew it would end this way, because you will now know. You will now know the truth. Um, now, you may be wondering, why in the world? I mean, we're just, what, a little over a year old? You know, why are we spending time talking to you about revelation? I mean, revelation. There are so many great chapters in the Bible that talk about love and joy and peace and kindness of God and, and all those different things. So why don't we just tell you about those things? Tell you about the things that, you know, God will change your, your past into good and, and he'll forgive you all your sins. Why aren't we just going to talk about that? And the reason why is because that's only part of the story. There's so much more. In fact, there's a reason why we're going to teach you about Revelation. There's a reason why I wanted to teach about Revelation is because the Bible tells us that we're supposed to teach you about Revelation. And that sadly, if you look through uh, lots of churches, you're not going to find very many people who want to teach about Revelation and the truth about Revelation because it's a, it's a scary topic for some people. They don't want to say it because, you know, kids could hear it and it could freak them out or, you know, they just don't really want people to think about the fact that, you know, we all, like, see movies like this and we're like, this is what's going to happen. Um, 
But the reason why we wanted to do this is because we really do believe that we're supposed to teach you this. For one reason, see, because it's about the destination. When you're traveling and you start to notice detour signs or caution signs or, you know, if you're like me who loves Garmin, love it. I, I don't know what I'd do without Garmin ever again. Once I have it, it's like I could never go back. Um, when you start to look at the screen and you start to notice that traffic is backing up, you see the flashing like cars up there and, you know, you know that you have to change your itinerary. I mean, it's like, here, I'm not going to, you know, this is going to be a crawl soon, and I, I can come up with a different plan. But the thing is, our goal is that we want you to get where you need to get. We don't want you to be lost, and we want you to arrive in the right place. For another reason, the reason why we're teaching you this is because we want you to be blessed. And now you know you're probably thinking, what? Um, I taught you a message not too long ago about blessings. Now, you might be thinking, what in the world does revelation have to do with blessing? I mean, what in the world does beasts and dragons and seven seals of judgment and seven bowls of God's wrath being poured on all mankind have to do with a blessing? But you do need to know that there is, there is a blessing in this. It's really there, and uh, it's pretty awesome. Revelation 1.3, it says, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says for the time is near. So why do I want to teach it? I get a blessing. I get a blessing and you who are here today get a blessing. If you would have stayed home, you would not have been blessed. I want you to know this. This is really important. So this is why it's so important every single week when you're like, should I stay and sleep or should I go to church? It's like go because every time you go, you get blessed. It's awesome doesn't get any clearer than that. So today and for the next two weeks, I want you to come and I want you to be blessed. And I want you to do what the Bible says we're supposed to do. You're going to listen and obey because the time is near. Um, when we get done with this study, you are never, ever going to be able to say those words that I spoke when I first began. I never knew it would end this way. So you ready? All right. We're going to get started. But all you have to do is watch the news today. See that there's a catastrophe going on just about everywhere. You get up and you watch the news, there's always something horrible going on, isn't there? Something all the time. You know, there's always droughts, there's floods, there's earthquakes, tsunamis, there's volcanic, volcanic eruptions that are taking place all the time, somewhere in the world. And these, some, you know, some people see these things and they believe that it is the beginning of the end. And there are some people that believe specifically that 2012, uh, something catastrophe uh, minded, the whole entire world will change on that day. And more specifically, like the, the movie clip said, December 21st, 2012. Well, could that be? Could that be that that takes place? A simple Google search for uh, 2012 actually brings up 4,910,000 results. There's no way that Hollywood's not going to notice that. I mean, everyone's going to be paying attention. I was like, you know we're going to make a movie on this. There's no possible way you're not going to jump on that bandwagon. And, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you, did you see it? Did anybody out there see it? I'm going to tell you, you know I did. Because I told you, I'm a movie freak. I love to go to the movies. I went the other day and I actually saw a movie and did not get popcorn. I was so disappointed because I was so full. I wanted it so bad because I love popcorn. I realized I have a really big thing in common with Ryan. 
I never realized that we had this connection where you love popcorn that much from the movies. Me too. Love it. Love it. So what is this really all about? Could it be that our quiet existence, you know, we have crazy lives sometimes, put on the whole, you know, our world's fairly peaceful. Could this be that our quiet existence could change in the blinking of an eye, just like that? Could something happen that could cause an end to our life? Or, like some people think, it's just going to be the beginning of another? Could there truly be a zombie apocalypse apocalypse coming? Could it happen? Could it happen? We don't know. Um, There are some people, like I say, they truly do believe that it is going to happen, that something's going to change on that day. They believe that world events are going to take place and our world will forever, forever be changed. The one good thing about those people that truly, truly believe it is they're not content to just sit back and do nothing. They instead have a plan. They call themselves survivalists. And they began preparing for this long ago. Once it was first reported, they began stockpiling food and gas masks and water and other items that are going to help to see them through to the end of the world. You know, a lot of us have this idea that the people who are survivalists, you know, we think that they're probably these backwood hillbillies that are living, you know, off the land and off the grid and, uh, you know, from the good old south or something. You know, this is how people think. But let me tell you, this isn't really so. There are people who are survivalists that live in big cities, and they're planning for this. Maybe even good old Peru and LaSalle, you never know. Not just the USA either. It's in Canada and Europe and Africa and other continents. There's a lot of people who truly believe that something is going to take place on that day. Well, what do you think is going to happen? What do they think might happen? And what exactly are they preparing for? Well, I'm going to read you some different theories. Now, I want you to know I prepared for this message. I not only read one book, I didn't read two books, I read three books. And I'm going to tell you, a couple of those books were about the enemy because they are so over my head. There are some of these scientists that think these things through. I can't get it. I was going to say, just uh, skip that part because it's like, I don't even know what you're saying. You lost me. You know, I, I don't have a clue. But one is that the Mayans, who have been lauded as the most intelligent of civilizations, that they've calculated the actual most detailed cosmic cycles in times, yet somehow their calendar just mysteriously ends after that day, and it proves to people that the world ends. Two, that there will be a geomagnetic reversal of the Earth, whereas our magnets now point to the north, where Santa Claus lives. Um, They're going to change, and they're going to point south to Antarctica. Supposedly, 780,000 years ago, this already took place, although there's not too many people who reported on that, and no one documented it. There was no internet then, to be sure, so we really don't know. Did that happen and did it not happen? We don't know. Uh, Number three, there will be a polar reversal, not to be confused with the geomagnetic reversal, because the two are not the same, I learned. Uh, the theory in this is that the axis of rotation of the planet has not always been at its present-day location, and the axis will not persist there. I'm going to read you a quote. A guy named, his author, um, Patrick Gurill, writes, Life after polar reversal is nothing but horror, pure, unimaginable horror. 
All securities you presently have at hand, like food, transport, and medicine, will have disappeared in one big blow dissolved in nothingness, nothingness, as will our complete civilization. It cannot be more horrifying than this. Worse than any nightmare, more destructive than a nuclear war in which the entire global arsenal of nuclear weapons has been deployed in one blow. This, what happens with the, the being knocked off its axis, this is what they believe happened to Venus in our solar system because it actually rotates in the opposite direction to the other planets. And some scientists believe that it was flipped upside down somehow. Something hit it, something collided with it, there, there was some sort of event that took place and it changed it. And then we all know there's Uranus, and we all know that's a really funny word. Ever since we were a kid, we laughed at the word, didn't we? Uranus. We laugh. We think it's funny. Um, Uranus actually rotates on its side. It doesn't rotate the same. So this is what they believe could happen to the Earth, that this could change everything. Another theory, it's propounded by advocates of the 2012 phenomenon, phenomenon, is that right on cue with the Mayan calendar, all of our planets in our solar system are going to line up behind the sun. That's exactly what they said there. Um, Basically, because that happens, it's going to cause an instability in the Earth's core. That it is going to, at that time, cause natural disasters that are going to start to take place as far as um, hurricanes, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, tidal waves, tsunamis, all those different things. And because of that, just like it happened with uh, Japan, remember when we had the the Japanese thing and the nuclear... um, plants started to melt, they say that's what will happen then. Because of that, the nuclear um, reactors will start to melt, buildings will crumble, and a cloud of dust will actually block up the sun for 40 years. 40? That's a biblical number. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, and only the prepared will survive. And Guerrill, who I quoted earlier, says, and not even all the people who were surviving, trying to be survivalists, will even survive at that time. Five. There's another theory, and that is that there is a planet called Planet X that the Mayans actually knew about, and it's a rogue planet that will doom the Earth in 2012, and they associate it with the end of their calendar on that date. And if you go on websites and blogs and radio talk shows, if you ever watch George Norrie or listen to him, you ever listen to George Norrie? After mid, I'm going to tell you, if you never have something to do and you're bored, Turn on WLS, go on the internet, WLS, anytime after midnight, and it is the most entertaining of time. I love it. If I'm traveling, I turn it on all the time because George Norrie, it talks about aliens. It's just fun. And these people are like wholehearted. Like they believe without a doubt all this stuff. It's just fun to listen to it. So these people truly believe there is a Planet X, and they think that NASA is actually tracking this planet, but we do not know about it, and that they're very concerned. The actual name of the planet they call it is Nibiru, and they're keeping it apart from the public as part of a worldwide conspiracy. And uh, they believe that this planet is going to pass so close to the Earth that it's going to cause a disturbance or that it is going to have a direct collision with Earth, and that's when things will end. So I say all that to say, will December 21... Uh, 2012 signify or bring with it the end of life as we know it today. It could. It could. There's really nothing saying that it can't. 
But the more important thing that you need to realize and understand is that God's word tells us that all these things could happen instead of the next 10 minutes. It doesn't mean that we get the um, you know, chance and the opportunity to wait till December 21st, 2012. The Bible states that all these things could take place, but they could take place at any time. So it's not so much that we're waiting. It's not like we have, what is it, 300 and however many days left it is. Um, we could have none. The Bible actually gives us very detailed information about the future. And it includes a seven-year period that will be far, far, far different than what we've ever experienced before. And the reason why we know that doesn't hasn't happened yet is because we would know because it is going to be so different. It hasn't happened yet. The truth is God's revelation of this future era is even more compelling and stunning and life-changing than any Hollywood movie producer could ever, ever come up with. Uh, I'm sure if, if God, who can see everything from start to finish, could watch 2012, he'd be like, that's a cakewalk. That's nothing compared to what's in store. So, like I said, why am I teaching you about it? I told you earlier. One, so you can arrive at your destination. Two, so you can be blessed. Three, so that you can say, without a doubt, I knew it would end that way, okay? That's why I want you to be here and listen to it today. There's a word in the Bible called prophecy, and it means prediction of the future. The one thing that we have to remember is that the only one who can truly prophesy is God. That's it. And I know you're thinking, well, no, 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 no. What about you know, what about psychics? What about weathermen? Uh, they make predictions all the time. But you have to understand exactly, that is it. It's, they're making predictions. Man makes predictions. God makes prophecies. Only one knows the future without a doubt because he saw it from start to finish. Let me ask you something. If these psychics are so good, how come we never, ever see that a psychic wins the lottery? Never. It never happens. We never see psychics win. They don't win. How come we, t- we hear all the time weathermen that are always caught in the rain without an umbrella? It happens all the time. They don't know everything. Um, there is only one that we can fully trust, and that is God. He alone knows the future. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. I'm going to tell you, there is, uh, everything's from start to finish spelled out in the Bible. And he tells us he is not a liar. Matter of fact, he calls the, uh, the enemy, Satan, he calls him the master of all lies. And we know that God cannot lie. So what he says from start to finish will take place. Foolish people, myself included, before I got saved, pour over horoscopes and try to figure out their life, where it's headed. I made all those dumb choices. I was looking for so many answers. I sat there. I mean, I'm a a Capricorn. (laughs) I would tell you what I am. And I wanted to know all these different things. I would check out horoscopes. I would do all these different things. And I would want to know all these things about my future. Man, I spent money. I used to buy these little rolled-up tubes that would go through the month. I used to do it all the time. It was just, I was looking for something. I didn't know what I was looking for until I found Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. I spent lots of money, but it is a free 
and a clear message that God tells us that he alone is in control. We don't need to stress out about it because if we do trust in Jesus, he's going to keep us safe. The book of Revelation tells us that the future is in God's hands. Early on in Genesis, he prophesies, like I say, what will happen in the very end. There, this is a God who is not at all surprised by anything that's going to happen. Anything that will happen, you know, he's just not going to be surprised about it. He actually prophesied to the devil himself his own outcome. He says in Genesis 3.15, he says, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. I'm going to tell you, that was a worse outcome for Satan. You know, yeah, you can get uh, hurt in your foot. It doesn't hurt as bad. But you know what? You get hit in your head, pretty bad. Devil's outcome is going to be a little worse than us. You know, and then it's realized exactly what he said was going to take place. This is all realized, again, in Revelation 19 when the devil gets his just rewards and gets thrown into the lake of fire. You know, I'm going to tell you, I love God's word. I love it. The more I read it, the more I love it. I mean, if you don't read the Bible, you're missing out because there is so much there. And you're not going to be fooled and you're not going to fall victim to somebody telling you a bunch of garbage that's not true about God's word. If you know it yourself, you're going to say, that's not true. That's why I say we always have Bibles over there. They're free. You can help yourself to one. Read it. Start reading it. And you're going to realize how much God cares for us and loves us. I'm going to tell you, though, I love his word. I love it. The Alpha and the Omega, it says the beginning and the end, and then Genesis and Revelation. It's all there for us. Genesis and Revelation, there are amazing differences and similarities between them. They'll blow your mind when you start to read it and understand it. It just amazes you over and over again. In Genesis, we see the creation of the heavens and the earth. In Revelation, we see that there is a new heaven and new earth, the earth that is created. So all these things take place. You'll just be amazed when you start to read God's word, all the things that happen and are repeated and how God has this perfect plan. In Genesis, we see the first Adam reigning on earth. And in Revelation, we see Jesus, the last Adam, reigning in glory forevermore. In Genesis, we see an earthly bride given to Adam. And in Revelation, we see that there's a heavenly bride. The people who are truly following Jesus and love him are going to be brought to our Lord Jesus Christ. In Genesis, we see the beginning of the death and, and the curse that's going to take place. And in Revelation, we see the very end of death and the curse. There is no more death. In Revelation, the God, Jesus says he holds the keys to Hades. He controls it. He owns it. And it's all taken care of. Uh, in Genesis, we see man driven away from God because of his sin. And in Revelation, we see that we live forever with him face to face. Remember how the Bible starts out? It says that Adam walked, Adam and Eve walked hand in hand with God. They visited with him. They saw him face to face. They walked alongside like just bros, happy. Everything was great until the serpent came and, and opened their eyes and made them sin. And then after that, what happens? God says, you're out. He took him out of that, and he said, you're out. You're, you're out of this area. You can't be with me. Because sin itself will separate us from God. It's like putting a big barrier up between you. Now, I could try to look over there, but if I put a big thing up here, I can't see, and that's exactly how we are with God. We can't get close to God because our sin separates us. Well, what's amazing about what happens with Revelation is the whole thing is made clear again 
All of us who truly love him get to go walk and be with God in heaven. And there it's an amazing place because we get to see him face to face and we're going to be best buds. That's what it's going to be. It truly is. In Genesis, Satan appears for the first time and in Revelation, he appears on earth for the very last time. So we see that it all has similarities but differences. It's amazing when you read from start to finish everything that's going to take place. God tells us what's going to happen in the end. There's no reason to worry or be fearful at all. There is going to be a time of unspeakable pain, terror on this earth. But God has a plan, and he's going to make it all right. Remember when I told you about those survivalists? I told you that they're not um, content with just sitting by and waiting for things to happen, that they have a plan. I'm going to tell you something. You need a plan. You need a plan. What's your plan for the future? If this really truly is going to take place, I'm going to tell you something. I don't necessarily think it's going to be like everything like Hollywood, when it's going to take place. But I do believe without a doubt after reading the Bible numerous times, being close to God, I do believe with all my heart that these things will take place. When they will happen, I do not know. You know, people mocked uh, Moses, uh, Noah so many times. They mocked him because, you know, for years and years he built that ark. And where they say he built that ark was in the middle of a desert. There was no reason for water to come. People are looking at him. He's building this huge thing, and they're like, what are you doing? And for generations upon generations, he kept building that. And you know what happened over time? Is the great-great-grandchildren of these people would go up to these, their grandpas and stuff and say, this old guy's building the boat, and he's telling me that the world's going to end, that water's going to come, it's going to flood this whole earth, and we need to make our lives right. And he's like, that crazy old man's been building that boat for generations and generations. He's been doing it forever. Nothing's ever changed. Nothing's ever taken place. He's a crazy old man. He knows nothing. And then the flood comes, and it happens. I always think that it's really funny that we teach um, the story of Noah and Zark in the nurseries of the church because it makes it sound so good. It's like, oh, look at the little animals. It's like no one ever stops to think about the fact of like all the other animals die, you know, and the fact that it's like, it's just terrorizing. I mean, when you think about the fact that only eight of them made it out, and, you know, there had to have been at the time when the floods water started coming, that they had to just been beating on that thing and scratching on it, let me in, let me in, let me in, and there was nothing they could do. It's really kind of a terrifying story when you think about it, isn't it? But yet we draw pictures and it's just so beautiful. But I'm going to tell you something. You need a plan. You really do. You need his plan because it is the best plan that you can possibly have. It's not good enough to just sit around and wait for destruction. It's not good. You need to remember that there is a destination in mind for each one of us, and it's totally up to you, each one of you personally, to decide which itinerary you're going to follow. We already know what it said about where is Satan going. Where did it say that Satan's ending up? In the lake of fire. You want to follow Satan? Where are you going to end up? In the lake of fire with Satan. If you're going to follow God, and God says if we make our lives right, we can walk and talk and be friends with him and live in heaven in all eternity. If we follow him, God's going to be there. Where are we going to go? With God. Not hard to figure out. Regardless of the Mayans, regardless of Nibiru, the planet, or natural disasters, something is going to happen without a doubt. 
Someone once said, when small men cast long shadows, you know the sun is about to set. Isn't that true? You ever that night when it's getting late at night, you stand outside and it is your, your shadows go forever. It's true. The world is filled with degradation, sin, pain, hurt, abuse, just horrible things, evil. All that wrapped up in a perfect little bow called sin. That's what it is. And as the end draws near, there's going to be more and more and more sin. That's what happens. But the best news is this. God's promise to his followers in Revelation 3, 10, and 11 when he speaks to the church in Philadelphia. He says, Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who, do not belong, who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. So God promises that if you stay close, if you do what's right, he is going to protect us from that time of testing. Now, this is where people get all worried and shook up because there's this whole theory of pre-tribulation or mid-tribulation or post-tribulation when the actual rapture of the church takes place. I am a pre-trib person. I totally believe because of the story I just told you a little bit ago with Noah. Noah had opportunity to pull people out, didn't he? He's like, These is, this is your opportunity. Before the flood comes, you go tell people, and they can get in this ark, and they can go. And he gave an opportunity, but Noah only had his sons and their wives that made it out. This is what took place. We also have Sodom and Gomorrah, the story. When God said he was going to go destroy those cities, what he said first was he said, go and tell them. Tell them, see if they will change. See if they'll turn to me. And he said, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't change. So what happened is he took his wife, and then he went to walk away. But what happened is Lot's wife turned, and she looked back because she was in love with the world more than she was in love with God. And when she did, she became a pillar of salt. See, I truly believe that God is gracious and kind and good. And because of the scripture I just read you, because you obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I truly believe our God is going to pull us out. Another reason why I believe this is because of this. The faithful followers of God, the people who truly love God, pray to God. We pray and we hold back evil on this world. We're always praying, God, protect this person. God, stop this from happening. And our prayers, if we're faithful and true, go directly to, to Jesus and Jesus takes them to God. He is our only true intercessor. I believe what takes place is there is a rapture of the church. The chosen people go, the ones who are really in love with Jesus. They go. And because there's no more prayers, there's nothing helping the world any longer that the world just goes downhill fast. And I really, truly believe that. That's what I believe. You know, you have to ask yourself, what do you have to hold on to? He says, hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. What are you holding on to? What are you holding on to this world? You know, ultimately, like I said, in life, we don't always get second chances. They're not always there for us. But in God's plan, you do. You do get a second chance. Every one of us gets an opportunity to make our lives right with God. Just like I said, in Noah's days, it happened. They had an opportunity. You can get on this boat. 
Sodom and Gomorrah, you can get out of this city. You have an opportunity. You can do it if you want to do it. The end is near, regardless of the time. It's definite that we have one day less than we did yesterday. You know, regardless of it happens in 2012, regardless of it happens in 2050 or the year 3000, it doesn't matter. The thing is, we are closer to the end than we were yesterday. And if the end is near, what is your plan? I'm going to tell you to have a, the best second chance you could ever have is to accept Jesus as your Savior and your King. I know what it was like to live without it. I'm going to tell you, living for him, there is no fear there. I was a mess of fear before I got saved. I can't tell you how fearful I was. And I'll tell you guys a billion times, I used to listen to these old saints in church, and they'd be like, oh, God be the glory. I hope he comes today. And I would sit there and think, no way. I ain't ready. I don't want to go. And I'm sure there's some of you out there that feel the same way. I'm not ready to go. I like this world. You know, I'm going to tell you, as time goes on and as you grow a little closer to God, you start to see it's like he can only have something better. He can only have something better in store for us. I'm going to tell you, there's no fear of following God. There really isn't because we know he is going to work everything out for our best. I used to be so fearful and I used to be so protective and worried about my kids. I never let them out of my sight. I was just constantly like, oh, don't go there, don't go there, don't do this, don't do this, you know, in camera, don't drive there, and you can't go. And, you know, after a while, I just thought, I'm driving myself crazy. You just got to look at it and say, I pray for them every day. God loves them more than I love them. And all I can do is ask him to protect them. And if he does, which I believe he does, if something, God forbid, were to happen, then I guess it was meant to be. And somehow we're supposed to move through it. And it was tough to say that, but I used to, that you don't understand how big of a thing that was for me to say. Because people used to talk about death. I told you, I lost my mom when I was seven and my dad was never around. And I lost a sister when she was 18. I was always one of those people, it's like death, when people are always like, oh, it doesn't happen to me. It's like, no, no, it does. It happens and it happens to me. And I expected it to happen at every moment of my life. It was always like people were always dying that I loved. And I was like, this is terrible. I mean, it's like I used to think when I was a kid, if I didn't have something planned for the weekend, I was dying. I was filled with fear. And I'm going to tell you, I know that God's real because I cannot believe he changed my heart that much, that I actually don't fear. He's changed it. It didn't take happen like that. It took time. It took reading his word and really starting to trust in him. But I realized once you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, your king, I'm going to tell you, you start to live for him, there's no fear there. There really isn't. There's nothing to fear because he's there for you. I want to give you an opportunity today that if you do not know Jesus, if you really don't know him, if you've never asked him to, be, uh, to forgive you of your sins, you have the opportunity. You have the opportunity. And I'm going to tell you, if you, first off, you have to just accept him as your Savior. And then you start to live for him. And it, you know, he doesn't expect perfection of every moment of every day. I know there's things I still get up at every day. I'm like, man, I still do this wrong. I do that wrong. I, this. But you know what? I just know that he's going to help me to grow better. And I know it says, there's a, a scripture that's my favorite. And I can tell you, I'm terrible with scripture. I, I, I've read the Bible numerous, numerous times. And I always say to people when they're like, I can't find them. I'm like, don't ever feel bad about that. If you're not a person who finds stuff in your Bible, who cares? It's just that you know it in your mind. And it doesn't have to be by scripture reference either. It's just that you know God's word. You know, years ago, no one knew the references. No one did. 
It didn't matter. It doesn't matter if you know that it's like Philippians 3.10. It doesn't matter. You know, all that does is impress another person. It's like Philippians 3.10 says, it's like, you know what I say? For I have not achieved these things or have reached perfection, but I keep striving for and trying to be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. That's it. I don't have to know the reference. I just have to know the truth. I am not perfect, but I'm striving to be perfect. And every day when I screw up, he says, dust yourself off, try harder, try harder, do better. And the next day I try harder and I do better. And then when I fail, I'm like, sorry. Again, I screwed up. I screwed up again. Forgive me. And then he just, he does it. So I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, maybe you've been walking away from God and you don't even, you know, you don't even realize you're getting so far away. And I mean, everyone knows if you looked at this and you think, wow, I don't want to go through that. I don't want it to be only fear-based because I don't believe that that's what it's all about either. You know, I don't think that God wanted us to love him because we're so afraid that the end's coming. You know, the Bible talks, it says, you know, only a fool would start to build a building that's not ready to finish it. You know, so you have to be ready. If you're really serious about trying to follow God, you have to be really ready for it and serious about your faith. I'm going to try to work on this and I'm going to try to do what's right. But only the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will let you know when it's really real for you and you want to make this decision. But I'm going to tell you, it is the best decision you'll ever make in your life. There's a lot of craziness out there in the world in the church. I'm going to tell you, there's craziness. All I can tell you is the truth is like, God saved me. God saved me. Cameron talked not too long about the fact of like, what's our story? We did that last week. What's our stories? He says, just be ready to give a testimony of what he's done for you. And that will change more people than anything, you know? So I want to go ahead and I'm going to pray for you. And uh, afterwards, if you need prayer, I mean, regardless if it's, if you want to accept Jesus for your, as your Savior, Cameron will be up here, um, I'll be here, we can pray with you. But if you're just going through a tough time, if there's something that you're dealing with, or, you know, it's financial, a family member, if there's some situation you need prayer for, we're always here for you to pray. Okay, so just come up if you need prayer. All right, well, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Father, that you have revealed everything to us, Lord, from start to finish. We know from Genesis to Revelation and all in between, Lord, that you point the things into the right direction, Lord. You know exactly which path we're supposed to take. And I just pray for each person that's here. I pray that their hearts would be open to you, Lord, that they sense that you are real. And, Lord, that just throughout this next coming week, Lord, you would show them how real you are. Lord, you'd start to open their eyes to your truth. And uh, Lord, I just pray that they would just recognize and start to love you and Lord, make a change in their life. I just pray that they wouldn't just be filled with fear and just be like those survivalists that just try to prepare for the end with um, everything that's there. But Lord, they would actually think about storing up things in heaven. We know, Lord, that those survivalists, no matter how much time and effort and energy they put in to survive, then ultimately, God, you know who goes and who doesn't, who makes it and who doesn't. And, Lord, I just pray for each person's here and their families. I just pray that they would uh, be blessed, Lord. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.